after you've made the decision to escape or leave, and some people get discarded before they really have the chance yes. to take the lead to leave. Um, but yes, the aftermath is the hardest part. And that's why it takes so long to heal from narcissist abuse because um, of the covert. There's just so many different strings attached to the abuse that you endured. Hi, everybody. Hi, my fellow flare ups. This is Chrissy Cordingly. I am Girl with a Flare, and uh, this is the Flare Up Show. Just like we fail forward to success, we can flare up. And flare is a word to describe uh, the onset of symptoms, often related to some type of chronic illness. And they can take you off your feet. They can take the breath right out of your right out of your lungs and the wind out of your sails. Uh, but what I found was that. Every time I navigated one, I learned more about how to do it better next time and how to persevere and how to continue on and find beauty and joy uh, in life, even when things seemed too hard. And I am back with having guests and I'm really excited because I have some incredible guests coming up this fall and I'm, I'm sort of doing... I haven't done a rebranding, but definitely a relaunch of the show uh, where we're going to kick some new life into it. And uh, I'm really, really thankful because uh, some amazing people have reached out and uh, provided support, provided great feedback. And it's just been an affirmation that having these conversations and talking about things that are difficult to talk about, how they actually are really helpful. We're not isolated. And actually my guest today is one who's going to talk a lot about alienation and isolation as tactics of abusers. Not even just alienating you from, uh, you know, other people, but alienating you from people that you love and need in your life. Um, so I don't want to share too much about that because I really want uh, this wonderful person to be able to share that. So today I'm going to have Dr. Marnie Hill Fotorero. She's an award-winning and celebrated author, speaker, and educator. Uh, she has her doctorate in education from the Northern Illinois University, and she completed postdoctoral studies at Harvard and has was a high school special education teacher uh, with 12 years as a university graduate school adjunct professor. Marnie is a lover of animals, nature, music, and world travel. She now lives in the Caribbean, although she was, uh, uh, she raised her children in the Midwest. Actually, it was pretty exciting because when I said I was from Winnipeg, she's like, oh, I get it. I was from Chicago, so... <laughs> I'm like, oh, you do, you do get it. Okay, perfect. Um, she values honesty, integrity, equality, goodness, and really prays for peace on earth. Um, she wrote a couple books. One is a fiction book with true accounts. Um, uh, it's called God Came to My Garage. Then there's a story in there about how she found faith in a very dark time of her life in a very unexpected place. And there has been this, this book that continues to win awards um, and recognition around the world, which is which is really amazing. It's well-deserved. It's a very uplifting uh, book. And then she also wrote a five-book series entitled True Deceit, False Love, which is a creative approach offering information tools for healing from trauma like parental alienation, uh, domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, 
And this one has also been uh, prominently endorsed by lots of different experts and doctors. And what's really cool is she'll talk about one of them in there that they're, they're creative, they're sort of workbooks, but they're not always your traditional workbooks. So one book itself is a word search. So basically you're doing puzzles and contemplating on different words that you see in these puzzles. And I just think that's brilliant. So. Uh, I'm really thankful for Dr. Marnie uh, for being on the show with me today. And I know that you are going to find her to be just a breath of fresh air. The lady just exudes peace and love. And I think that is just such a testimony to her beautiful character and faith, uh, considering everything that uh, she has gone through in life to still be so loving and warm and kind. I mean, that's just, it's just, um, yeah, a testimony to the tenacity of the human spirit. Please welcome Dr. Marnie. All right, thank you so much for joining me. So today I have Dr. Marnie Hill Fodorero. Hopefully I said that correctly. And uh, I'm super excited to have you on. You have such an interesting story and I'm not gonna talk a lot because I want you to do most of the talking, but maybe just start with introducing yourself. You know, tell us who you are, where you live, what you're known for, what are your areas of expertise, Dr. Marnie? Okay, well, hi, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. Um, I am an author of uh, two books, um, well, two main types of books. I have a spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale, and a five-book series um, called True Deceit, False Love. And so I guess I'm known for that. Um, But prior to moving to the Caribbean and being an author, I was a high school special education teacher for 35 years in the Chicago, Illinois, USA suburbs. And 12 of those years, I was a university graduate school adjunct professor, mom of two adult children, um, sort of kind of living the American dream, um, just very busy in my life, but decided to make a very big life change uh, when I left my marriage after 27 years to get myself to a place of safety and happiness and to live, you know, um, with honesty and goodness and fidelity and fiscal responsibility, all these kind of values that are important to me. And uh, so that was a really challenging life change. But, you know, with all adversity and challenges, I look at them as life lessons and that we are here on this journey uh, on earth. And you know, we're going to have to go through some dark times to really appreciate the light. So that's kind of, you know, a little bit about me. I find it interesting. And to talk about, you mentioned the American dream, but it was a time in your life that was actually very scary and dark. And now you're, I would say you're probably living a very lovely dream life. Don't you think? Would you still consider it? Yes, I'm, I'm very happy. And, um, you know, but I'm also surrounding myself with, you know, honest and caring and authentic individuals because I have changed. You know, I have p- but learned how to put up some safe boundaries. Mm-hmm. I have learned to, you know, love myself more and value myself more. You know, I, I have to admit when I was living that life, Uh, being married and raising my kids, there were parts of it that were wonderful that Mm -hmm. I 
um, really felt I was, I had reached my potential, you know, being a mom was the biggest joy of my life. Um, and I just wanted to hold that together as much as I possibly could, but there just came a defining moment that, you know, I knew, um, you know, my values didn't align with who I was with. And I had no idea of the significant losses that I would endure as a result. I mean, I even lost both of my adult children to parental alienation. Oh. So it is just mind boggling for any wonderful father or any wonderful mother who have, you know, they've raised their kids into their 20s, you know, very loving relationships, very supportive, you know, um, to have them kind of ripped out of your life, all based on some kind of false pretense. And you think, you know, adults would know better, but, you know, it's the adults that also get, you know, uh, looped into cults and, and they can be brainwashed as well. It's not just little kids that are fed a false narrative. Definitely not. Definitely not. And I think when sometimes I wonder, even myself as an adult, do we, because I've, I've even seen it myself or I've been maybe susceptible to, you know, things that were not true per se or, you know, sugar-coated. Mm -hmm. And I think, is it almost like a cell, like a false sense of security? Well, I'm an adult. I know better. So I would right. know if somebody was pulling the wool over my eyes. Well, right? you know, goodness, goodness and the truth eventually prevails. And we're seeing that on a global scale now, yes. you know, it's, it's a long time coming and, you know, we're, we're just like, how could, how could such deceit continue? Um, but in our personal lives as well, it's, um, it's, it's now, now people are starting to understand, you know, victims and survivors of any kind of toxic relationship because they're starting to see that you know how people are living and what they believe isn't necessarily what reality is definitely not definitely not and I'm going to come back to this in a little bit but I wanted to talk about uh the first book because you yeah. have a really great story about finding god at a garage sale and yeah. i found this really interesting because having spiritual faith was not part of your life prior to that right so finding yeah. god and then at your garage sale tell us a little bit about that story yeah well sure you know i grew up without a foundation in religion or spirituality i would say from an atheist household um so i didn't really have that kind of blind faith and i always had a belief in goodness and in humanity. And I kind of, you know, as I got older, realized that there has to be something more going on in this universe because it is so intricate. It's so complicated. It's so beautiful. Um, you know, just looking at nature in itself, um, any aspect of nature can make you just be in awe and wonder of it all. Mm. Um, and so little by little, I, you know, found my way towards organized religion, found a little hypocrisy there, but, <laughs> but it really a little, but, you know, it wasn't until I was at a very low point where I had lost everything. You know, I had decided to divorce um, my safety and security that I kind of took for granted was not there. I lost my home, my money, my assets my support system of friends, family, and neighbors, you know, basically isolated to try to cope with the aftermath of this decision 
-hmm. you know, naively thinking, oh, we'll just go our separate ways and be respectful of one another and be able to co-parent our adult children. And that's not the case when you're dealing with some malevolent forces, you know, some personality types that, you know, you kind of had glimmers along the way, but you kind of ignored those red flags and you're just uh, left with, wow, this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I had to have this garage sale and, you know, I had to downsize and, you know, I, you don't really make any money on a garage sale. It's basically <clears throat> giving everything away. It's part of the, part of the process of letting go. Um, but instead of having feelings of negativity or sadness or regret or anger, I was just filled with love. I was filled with gratitude for all the many blessings. You know, I looked back at my, you know, beautiful home, realizing, you know, that I, that wouldn't be where I could spend the rest of my days. Um, but even without that, I was looking at the positive, like, wow, I did have so many beautiful days and years there. Uh, even if some of it was a false reality, it still was my reality at the time. Um, and some miracles happened. You know, at one point I was surrounded by 50 to 100 dragonflies and, and oh. I was like, you know, in a state of shock, but also in a state of peace and knowing that I was loved and supported. At some point I realized this was a spiritual experience. Um, I was every, and with all of my experiences, it's kind of like there's no time or time stands still. And that is definitely a common thread with a number of things I've witnessed and, and been a part of. Um, luckily, like with the dragonfly experience, about three quarters of the way, I knew to pull out my cell phone and videotape this, you know, to, to have proof mm -hmm. that, wait, I, this is really happening. But that was just one of many experiences at the garage sale. And then that prompted me to, um, to look into spiritual experiences, what are called STEs, spiritually transformative encounters or experiences, which are very similar to near-death experiences where people actually flatline, leave their body and, and kind of go on an adventure that they come back with the feeling that love is what it's all about mm -hmm. and that you are on the right path and, you know, you maybe even signed up for some of these challenges. So I had so many experiences with my own, you know, encounters as well as learning about other people that I had to, I was just compelled to speak about it, to write a book about it. And that's where God came to my garage sale, yeah. <laughs> came about. And, you know, it won many awards. I just mm -hmm. won a big award last week from the oh, Hollywood Book Fest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually continuing to be well-received and part of book clubs. And, you know, I hear from people that it, it really um, resonates with them because then it kind of gives them permission to realize maybe they've seen signs and synchronicities. They just haven't talked about it. And, you know, that, that, you know, it's good to have someone just sort of spell out this in a way that is easy to read uh, but gets you thinking, boy, is there more to this earth? Absolutely. I, I always think, so I grew up in a home that was half and half. So my mom was very faithful, but not part of organized religion. Organized religion had sort of scorned my family because they were very, I don't know if you know, are familiar with Mennonites. 
Um, yeah. But it's similar to like all measure hut rate. So yes. that's where my grandparents came from, that culture, but they really believed in love and they weren't really brimstone, you know, fire and brimstone people. So they were actually, and then my great grandfather had mental illness. So he was considered, you know, not Christian enough. And, and so they were scorned. So, but they always had this faith. And then my dad was an atheist <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, he was, I used to joke all the time, like when you die, I'm going to put on your tombstone all dressed up and nowhere to go. Like, what are we going to do here, dad? <laughs> but he was very like, he made fun of it. So it was very like hush hush. And then as adults, my mom and I decided to go back to church and find faith. But, um, but it's been, but I think that people, I think about that wonder and awe that you talked about. I mean, that that's what I look for all the time. I spend a lot of time outdoors and it, I couldn't imagine looking at a tree and not seeing beauty. I couldn't imagine smelling the fresh air and not feeling hope. Like how do people do it? Like, it must be so depressing. Like it, I, I, I just think how, we don't know. And I think the world without magic would just not be a world that I could live in. That's for sure. Right, so, right. I love your story. That's beautiful. You know, and if you take it to another level, not just yeah. what we observe with our eyes, but if you yeah. look at the intricacies of even our body system, mm-hmm. our circulatory system, you know, we can get a cut and then we get a scab and, you know, how things can heal themselves or regenerate. And that happens in nature all the time. And there just has to be something bigger at work. And, and so that's why, you know, I'm still accepting of people and their different beliefs. Definitely, of course. And, and, and I do see the value in, in some organized religion. The community aspect is mm-hmm. really wonderful to have some other people to, to pray with, to, you know, that kind of have your same values and that kind of thing. Everyone has their own journey towards their self-actualization, whether it is, you know, um, in a small environment or a large environment or no environment. And, you know, I, I just think we have to respect people and, and take them for where they are at. And, you know, I've never been someone to try to push my own views on anyone else. I just have started to come into my own, as far as my own beliefs and views. And it's bringing me a lot of comfort and, and peace to know that, um, that I am supported by a higher power. I really, you know, and, and when you think about all the tragedies that happen either on a small scale or large scale, you know, you need to try to make sense of it. And it's very hard to make sense of it without thinking there had to be some sort of bigger plan going on here. Mm-hmm. Total uncertainty is a really tough one for humans. One book that I read that really helped me with uncertainty, because that gives me a lot of anxiety, is uh, is it Pima Chodron. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She wrote a book about, it was is about uncertainty, basically, and about how to make peace with those things that we just cannot figure right. out or have the solid answer to. And it, it's a beautiful book, lots of peace in it. Um, 
I coach on both food and non-food sources of nourishment. That's sort of what I do. And spirituality is one of the sources of human nourishment. It, you know, it's not really, it doesn't have to be organized religion per se. It can be self-actualization, some type of faith, or even just a community focused mindset where we're not so individual. Like it's all about me and my needs. It's how can I get what I need, but also benefit my community, right? How can we take care of each other? How it, and that helps people's health and well-being. How would you describe, since that garage sale, your sense of well-being since adopting your own faith and self-actualization after that experience? You know, it has improved tremendously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is an aspect at some point where you do want to give back to the community. You want to share what you have learned um, in the hopes of just maybe preventing someone else from having to go through the extreme heartache and loss that you have gone through, or if they are going through that so that they can feel like they're not alone or Mm -hmm. that they, they, there are other people that have gone through this. And I think this is why I've, you know, decided to put pen to paper and, and become an author. Uh, My five book series, true deceit, false love is really Um, a labor of love. It's like an effort to bring awareness and resources and a creative approach to dealing with all sorts of trauma. And, you know, I focus on relationship trauma, which is like domestic violence, narcissist abuse, parental Mm -hmm. alienation. And then at some point you need to do a kind of a deep dive into your own childhood wounds and what are your dynamics with your family And what made you kind of a target for abuse or a people pleaser or an overgiver or, you know, challenged in that kind of way. And then you can do the work on intergenerational family issues to help understand where you're at. So, so my five book series has poetry. It has a workbook. It even has a word search book and a resource manual. Um, You know, just just another set of resources and tools that are available for people that want to kind of, you know, understand what they've gone through and, and put the pieces of their own puzzle together. So, so I'm definitely, you know, turning my pain into power and kind of reaching back and giving back to, to others. um, While I I'm on my healing journey, you know, and I don't think that you ever fully heal. I think that, you know, it's ever evolving and changing and there's always triggers to deal with. There's always issues to, to face. And, and, you know, you realize when you've gone through some of the things I've gone through that, you know, it's not just one perpetrator that's has ruined everything for you. You have to realize your role in things, but you also have to realize that there are probably some other players that you have been trauma bonded with, whether they're friends or family that really don't have your back like you thought. You know, you're kind of living in this false reality that, you know, you've got, um, you know, a best friend that will always be there for you when really, you know, there could be some betrayal and deceit and stuff Mm -hmm. that really comes out when your eyes are kind of finally opened. And, and that's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to realize that some of these relationships that you've really invested years in, and, you know, I guess at a certain point you kind of take for granted, um, they may not be, you know, grounded in reality or your values may not align with their values and, and people change and, and that's part of life. 
Can you, and I don't know how much you share, but I mean, your books really touch on narcissistic abuse, right? And narcissistic recovery, you know, abuse recovery, which is tough because it is so, a lot of it is so mental. A lot of it is so covert and subtle. Like it's like, it's not even like, you can say it was this specific thing. It's more like a death by a thousand cuts, right? Death, you- I've never heard it say that. Yeah. Right? That's, <laughs> that's wonderful. A death yeah. by a thousand cuts because it is so very subtle. Mm-hmm. They, But they're, it's very calculated. It is. And the manipulators know what they're doing. Um, and it's, you know, in some ways, empathetic people can feel concern for them because they probably had very wounded childhood, you know, to, to, make them lash out and and actually go to the efforts that they do to harm other people. It's a very sad life to live. I would never want to live that kind of existence, but you're right. It is very, very subtle. And I think gaslighting is a huge part of it because they, they gaslight you to question what you see, what you hear, um, your own worth, your own abilities, Um, And when they couple that with isolation and the smear campaign to everyone and anyone that has been in the works since day one, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a perfect storm. It really is. And I I mentioned to you, you know, I have some personal experience as well with this type of abuse, both in home life and professional life. And I did manage to escape a lot of those situations. But what I found was I thought, I think I had this idea that if I could just get away, life is going to be like a slice, like it's just going to be a breeze after this. But I discovered it was actually a lot harder. It was almost like, why did I leave? Maybe I should have just endured the abuse because to heal my head, see the world through a healthy lens instead of through the scar tissue that was covering me up, uh, perceive things correctly. Like sometimes that's like, did I you know, not second guessing myself all the time, trusting my mind, trying to remember who I actually am, what actually makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Is this normal? I really thought the hard part was going to be the leaving, but I, I find that the personal healing has been a doozy. Any thoughts and ideas on why that is or how people like me can navigate through some of that, that aftermath of everything? I, I think you said it perfectly because mm-hmm. really it is after you've made the decision to escape or leave. And some people get discarded before they really have the chance to take the lead to leave. Um, But yes, the aftermath is the hardest part. And that's why it takes so long to heal from narcissist abuse um, because of the covert. There's just so many different strings attached to the abuse that you endured. And so it is extremely natural. Um, It is exhausting though. And you sometimes question, boy, it would have been easier if I just (laughs) shut my mouth and just stayed in this situation, whether it was a job or whether it was a relationship. You know, I don't have my adult children in my life, you know, and with one of them, um, well, they were 20 and 23 when I made the decision to leave my abuser. And, you know, um, so it's been, you know, seven, eight years, you know, not having one of the children in my life who I was extremely close with and, but somehow has been fed a, a false narrative, not only by the alienating parent, but by an entourage of, of flying monkeys that they have, oh, I love that, that they have the monkey branched and, and, and 
that she believes this false narrative and it's, it's very painful. And so I think to myself sometimes, not so much anymore, but I, I thought to myself, boy, I might have my children in my life still if I would have just gone along status quo, ignored all the affairs, you know, ignored all the money manipulation and the, you know, unethical behavior and, you know, just lies, 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 you know, these, these abusers, you know, cheat, lie and steal, but they'll project onto you that you are the one cheating, lying and stealing when, when you're not, but you know, that's not a healthy way to live. That would be living in a false reality. And, and I, you know, at some point, I think you have to, as painful as it is, live in a true reality and, and, you know, just realize that there are losses as part of it. But it's almost like, you know, one thing that I found very helpful that I heard from someone else, they said, you know, Marnie, you're a chosen parent. You are a chosen person because not many people are strong enough to handle what you have gone through. Um, people succumb to mental illness, to suicide, to you know, harming themselves in unhealthy ways um, or getting themselves back into abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's very common. People, you know, sometimes it takes one or two or three or four more lessons before you really learn the lesson. So I look at it like, okay, yeah, my circle has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, but it is more authentic. It is more real. And I don't need the external validation to know my own worth. And so really people like yourself and others that are listening to this podcast and myself included, we are very strong people. We are warriors. We, you know, God, it, God has our backs. God knows that, um, that our goodness is really what the world should be all about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, taking steps backwards, you know, is not really the way to go. And you can, you can do as much as you can to spread love and light around the world. But you know, not everyone is at a point to receive it, or or even want to receive it. So you've got to do it for yourself, not for others. Yes, receive, that is a tough one, right? When you're used to not, right? Or when you have people that have hurt you. And I, that's a word that I have use a lot this year is when something good happens. This is how I've been using to change my brain mm -hmm. that good things actually can still happen. Yes. Life is not over. Life is just beginning, but uh, is received. So if something good happens and I'm like, oh, but I could lose it or this could happen, right? That anxiety that happens, right? That fear of whatever because of the loss, right? In the past, that trauma uh, is now just breathe and just go receive just receive, receive yes. right? Like yeah, you, you don't have to working. fight. You don't have to pull. You don't have to, you can just receive sometimes. And there's so much peace in that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And, and, you know, as empathetic overgivers, <laughs> we, <Brought> have, me. <laughs> me too, you know, um, because we believe we know what other people need or want, and we want to enrich their lives. And so we just, we're people that will just give the shirt off our backs because we, we believe that much in love and humanity. And, you know, it's not always well received. And, you know, now looking back, we needed to rope ourselves in some and realize that, you know, that's not how 
uh, normal relationships should always operate. Mm -mm. But yes, receiving is, is something we have to realize we're worthy to receive. And that's part of the journey because it's very foreign to us. That's not how we, we operated for so many years. Totally. Totally. Um, so if we could talk a little bit, so you've mentioned this about your kids. So abuse with your family. So right now we, especially with, you know, a partner with children, you have a situation. Mine is uh, similar, but it's so the narcissist in my life now that has no access to me is now accessing one of our children and is doing a lot of stuff, not to chase them out of my life, but to basically tell them they're not worthy of being in their life anymore, I guess, because they're similar to me or they, they're very different. So it's, it's very, but, you know, we have two children. So there's my son that goes back and forth, still have time. So there's a lot of interactions still there. So people that have abuse within family where maybe because of their age or whatever else, they still have to stay in contact with their abuser or be expected to stay in contact because of societal norms. Well, you know, a lot of people telling them, you know, you should just, you know, regardless of whose fault it is, you should just apologize to father because he's your dad, right? Like you have to, um, how do, what, what advice maybe do you give or what guidance or what thoughts do you have maybe on that on people that have to sort of navigate those, like, I know this person is hurtful. They've abandoned me emotionally, mentally, but I still need to somehow cope and participate in life in some certain areas. Oh, how do they, how do you do that? You and know, and you sense. also brought up that, you know, your the inability to be able to protect your children from being abused. And that is extremely hard. That's something that I have to live with every day that I cannot protect my two children from the abuse of others. I, I can't at this point that at some point as an adult, they need to on their journey put the pieces of the puzzle together and, and figure it out because, you know, first of all, they don't want to hear it from me. They might not even ever be at the point of really wanting to know the truth. Maybe the way that they are wired is, you know, I'm just going to leave it as it is. And, you know, yeah, I, I abandoned my mother and I'm saying terrible things about her or whatever, but that's, that's easier than facing the alienator and what consequences could be there. I mean, as far as advice from me, I think, you know, I'm no expert. I'm not a, you know, a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that. I'm just a, a mom and a, a, a woman who has experienced these kinds of things. I, I did a lot of research on what some of the other experts, you know, uh, their view on this kind of thing. And the the consensus that I seem to draw from what they have said is you can't change what other people are going to do. You can't protect your children from the abuse of the alienator or their entourage, you know, their regime. You can only control yourself and still stay true to your values and, you know, show by your actions you know, what real love is. And you still want to, you know, set boundaries with your kids and you still need to discipline them, you know, and try to guide them to, um, to do, to live honorably, you know, 
You don't want to teach them to lie, cheat, and steal. You know, they might be learning that indirectly by the actions of the alienator, mm -hmm. but you can, you can continue to be who you are and, and live and let them, let them observe how you handle these challenges. Cause these kids are watching us all the they time. Um, you know, they, if, if you don't handle these adversities in a very mature, you know, reasonable, honest way, then they've lost all hope because then you have both parents that are, you know, going down that dark path and you don't need to do that. Um, you know, there are specifics as far as um, when you are in like a shared custody situation, I never had to deal with that personally, but there are even apps and programs where you can communicate through those as opposed to, you know, the constant uh, need to communicate with, with your abuser, because that is, you know, extremely traumatic that you have to continue to do that. But, um, and, and you don't always have the, the, legal support of the family courts. And I mean, so many of these lawyers and judges and guardian at litems and they, they don't get it, you know, or on a very sad note, they might get it and they want to keep the conflict going because it's job security for them. And, you know, then they know that the honest, loving parent will kind of continue to fight for justice. And that's how they get more and more of your money, but not just money, they get more of just your emotion and your time. And then it kind of feeds the narcissistic personality disorder because they love the chaos. They love mm -hmm. the confrontation. They love the just push and pull because then they feel they still can control you. So I just say role model, you know, even though my adult children aren't in my life, I believe as a mom, um, I'm role modeling for them that, mm -hmm. you know, you can be dealt a, a horrific, you know, hand in life. Um, but, you know, you can rise above by how you respond to it and, and not get roped into the negativity. And, and then in doing so, you can bring awareness to others, you know, and you just have to realize, you know, it's, it may not all have a happy ending. And sometimes closure is really not having closure. Yeah. And, and you just have to live with that kind of uncertainty. And just knowing though, that you have done the best that you absolutely positively could, you know? And, and at some point you need to step back and say, whew, I need to, I need to take care of myself here. Yeah. <laughs> we do, we do. And I, you know, my mom, my, my family and I are really close, but my mom was one of those and, and has gotten a lot better, but was one of those self-sacrificing people. And I just remember thinking how much more I wanted for her. I didn't want her to give up on her dreams to take care of us. I didn't want those things growing up. I always felt bad, not that she ever made us feel bad. And I, that's really something that I want to make sure I'm modeling for my children too, is that Yes, you can be a loving parent. Yes, you can be generous and giving and take care of them, but you can also still be you. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing with children, and this was, I was really fortunate when I had my son that um, I had a, there was a program in my community that brought in uh, like a public health nurse that actually was educated in 
parenting skills, but the like the new like um, teaching kind, the coaching kind, the loving kind, not the you know the old school disciplining kind, right? Like right. with timeouts and sleep training and that kind of stuff. But it was, I mean, do whatever works for you, whatever works for you. This is yeah. that just didn't work for me. But she talked about how she brought in this doll. It was a stuffed animal, and she had I think about. 10 or 15 squares of colored fabric and she said so this is your baby and when they have nothing nothing you know no nothing no love or whatever they're just sort of bare but every time you feed them with love nourishment belief confidence kindness it puts a layer on them Mm-hmm. And then you layer, 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 layer. So when they go out and someone takes a shot <laughs> or hurts them, a layer falls off. But look, there's still five more. So the more you can layer them up, because you can't control, like you said, you can't control right. how other people abuse or treat your babies. You mm-hmm. can give them as much protection <laughs> and mm-hmm. skills and uh, coping mechanisms as possible so that when they finally come back home to get refilled, they're not completely exposed, right? They have some of your protection always with them. And that is something that I try to remember when my kids are hurting or down or they're about to go interact with some hurtful people that it's just build them up, build them up, build them up. (laughs) Right, no, that is beautiful. And I think that loving normal range parents do that naturally. Totally. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, like, like in my case, it wasn't just the alienator no. that was putting a false narrative. There was a next door neighbor. Yeah, that, the monkeys. Yeah. You know, getting getting kids into drugs and in a false narrative. And, you know, just there are so many other influences that as a loving parent that you just can't control. Can't. And then there's that whole online presence, that whole oh. virtual um you know, influence that, you know, I mean, you just can't control what they can, you know, um, what they're being exposed to. So I, I at least say to myself, wow, I had 20 years, you you know, with, with one child and 30 years almost with another, um, that I could just naturally instill, you know, values of goodness. And, and my big, um, my big push, which was much different than the alienator, um, was to have them be independent and make decisions yes. on their own and, yes. and follow their dreams yes. and their interests, where the alienator, many alienators, and this could be mothers or fathers, they already have it predetermined what that child will do for a living, what mm-hmm. kind of job they'll have. Um, they're very critical when, yes. you know, even if they made an uh the top grade in in school they could have done better and look at so and so did better than you did and so they're they're really knocking down their self-worth and in turn getting these children um at an early age but also as adults dependent on them for their external happiness as opposed to letting letting these children become their own people yeah and so it's a different, it's a different mindset. And yeah, some of these narcissistic abusers, they, they want mini me's, you know, they want their kids in the same sport that they did with the same number in the same position. And they want them to achieve what they, the parent failed at achieving, but was part of their dream. And so they try to live through their children. Um, 
So you see it with a lot of sports dads, with their sons. You see it with um, a lot of beauty pageant daughters with their mothers, you know, that they're, these kids, you know, are, are according to the alienators, they're there to, to fulfill their dreams, yeah. their hopes and dreams, as opposed to letting them be their own people and, and letting them experience life on their own terms. And so I think that's pretty important. And I think that at some point, kids will realize, you know, which parent really had, you know, the good loving intentions mm -hmm. and, and which were more controlling and manipulative. And um, it's very tough as a parent to navigate knowing that your control and your, your, your ability to guide them is very limited at some point. And yeah. you just have to hope and pray that you know, there is a bigger picture here that God will be watching them on their journey. I bet the seeds that you planted in them are so deep. And even though you may not feel the, you know, the results of that, I guarantee you care, they carry you in part of their lives for sure. There's no doubt. You're so loving and influential. So it will come around it will be what it's going to be. And I really appreciate your honesty and transparency with that. That's not, it's not an easy thing at all. No. And you know, you're very good at your, in your podcast. And I just love your podcast. I love that you <laughs> tackle these very tough and challenging, uncomfortable topics because, you know, our voices matter. And so many people avoid these conversations because they are so painful because they are so, you know, they're wrought with, with such, pain and and sadness and and so many different emotions it's good to talk about these things because really it will provide hope for other people that are going through and realize that you know hey you're not alone and and there are some resources out there um like even even my book i have mm -hmm. one of my books in the five book series this of true deceit false love is just a word search puzzle book okay and, and it is very, very neat in that you can, you can just relax and distract yourself, you know, to be able to just. I'll have to get that one. My daughter was just asking for a new word search the other day. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, but it's, you're still focusing and trying to deal with your pain and understand what you've been through, but you're also kind of using a different part of your brain and giving yourself a break and just doing some kind of, in some ways, mindless activity that still gives you a sense of accomplishment. Yes, healing is heavy, but it doesn't always have to be so heavy, right? Like there can yeah. be, we can, we are allowed to feel joy. We don't have to self, keep self-inflicting extra heaviness and dark on ourselves. That right. shame stigma that, that I brought this on, like that shame, like how to just get rid of that shame. And that's why I tell these stories. That's why I share my stories. It's like, it only stays dark if you don't shed any light on it, right? Like you. Right. And, and when you speak it and when you, you have these conversations or when you put things out in writing, whether it is in a book or whether it's your own personal journal. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've never been one to personally journal, but I know people that do and get a lot out of it. In fact, Tracy Malone, um, she is an amazing influencer with narcissist oh. abuse support. Oh, um, she has um a, 
like a beautiful series of journals that you could pick up with various topics to just get the thoughts out. But when you speak or write, you kind of get the trauma out of your body. And, you know, you talked about like nourishing your body. Um, you know, we can nourish our body by getting toxicity out, but we can also nourish our body by putting nutritious food and things that are only good for us into our bodies. And, you know, I've been, now that I've moved to the Caribbean, I'm really into sustainability and living mm -hmm. off grid and, you know, kind of living out of the, the farmer's markets and, and my own gardens and hydroponics farm and, yeah. you know, just kind of farm to table. And I found that really putting nutritious things in your body uh, whether it is food or whether it's beliefs and thoughts, all of that, you know, translates into a healthier human being. Totally, totally agree. Mm -hmm. So what's next? What's next for Dr. Marty from here? What can people <laughs> look forward to reading or seeing from you, hearing from you? Well, you know, I, I kind of keep my website up to date. It's the title of my spiritual fiction, God came to my garage .com, And I have a happening section where I, you know, sometimes it's after the fact, but I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> I'll say, you know, it happened. Um, it happened. Right. This happened already. I already had book signings and I already had this event. Um, but I let people know kind of what I have been up to, um, you know, with awards and, and different events that I'm involved in. I am working on a sixth book in the True Deceit False Love series. So that's coming along nicely. Um, and that'll probably be the final book from that. Um, I actually am in talks with a number of people with regards to making God Came to My Garage Sale a movie. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so that it's... Um, so that would take on a whole nother direction. And I, I, um, I've been asked to do so many podcasts because I think there's really a need out here in the world to have these candid conversations because mm -hmm. people are really dealing with a lot and, you know, it's good for others to see how other people are handling these. So I'm going to continue through this year with my very busy schedule, you know, having conversations and meeting some amazing people like yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think in 2023 with some of these other big endeavors that I have going on, I think I'm going to put a lot of focus on that and, you know, we'll just see what happens. You know, we'll see how things unfold. I believe that there's, that there's some great things on the horizon for myself and for my work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for everything, Dr. Marty. This has been so enlightening. And uh, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. So your website, how people can find your books and uh, just thank you again. Well, thank you so much. It's just been an honor, Chrissy. I'm glad that timing wise, we were able to work this out and, and just uh, keep on doing what you're doing because you're bringing awareness to so much and helping so many people. Thank you. Thank you again, Dr. Marnie, for sharing uh, so openly about your life. So everyone, please go to the show notes and check out her books and her website. And she's very easy to find. She's lots of different interviews and things out there, both video and podcasts. Uh, there's also articles written about her and she's written many awards. So definitely go and check her out and just 
you know, it's really just a beacon of hope that there is life after uh, abuse, that there's life after (laughs) interactions with the narcissist, there's life after being alienated from people that you love and adore and cherish. And uh, so just thank you again for sharing that hope and showing us that you can carve, you know, a very fulfilling, beautiful, loving life, um, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what is going on, there is still always uh, a next step. There is still always a beauty that we can see and find. And uh, next week, I have Christina Foxwell joining us. She is the CEO of Ignite Purpose, and she is from Sydney, Australia. And she has a beautiful consulting company, and she's also a uh, author of some amazing books. She has a new one coming out called The Glass Angel. And I read the first chapter. She sent me uh, a, the book to review uh, in preparation for our recording, and I, I cried. <laughs> Not that that's hard to make me do lately, but it, <laughs> I did. I, I mean, it's really about her story. She's sharing her own personal story about rebirth and, um, you know, sort of losing it all and coming back together. And that's really, Dr. Marty mentioned that in her episode today that, you know, we have this ability to heal, to grow scabs and to regenerate. And that is kind of the human condition, right? To fail, to stumble, to lose, to whatever, to be hurt, to have trauma and pain inflicted on us, or even self-inflicted sometimes, or other people inflicting it on us, and being able to overcome and to still smile and to still find joy and beauty in every single day and to find a purpose and to fulfill ourselves and to have love and relationships and other beautiful things amidst the storms of life and that's really what the flare-up show is all about so I think um, after Dr. Marty today and then with Christina next week I mean you guys are just going to be blown away this fall the quality of speakers and I'm, I'm just so blessed and thankful that these people have reached out to me to be on this little show that I love so much so thank you everybody for listening uh, please don't hesitate to go to my website girlwithaflare.com I do uh, coaching as well as uh, speaking events I also have a blog that I love to write on and that's on medium and if you have any questions or you have any ideas or suggestions for future guests on the show please just send me a note to Chrissy at girlwithaflare.com.